Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast. My name is Eric. I am the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF21 Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And hopefully I will get around to making a TikTok video and hopefully TikTok doesn't get deleted. I always told myself I would never do anything political. I'm here to help you guys make money and try to keep you entertained with some of the weird shit that goes on in my life. But... All I'm going to say is deleting TikTok, I think, would be idiotic, and I will just leave it at that. Today is Saturday, August 1st, and oh my God, I was finished my run this morning, and first of all, I can't believe it's August. The summer seems just seems to be flying by, which is insane to me. It just seems the other day it was, what was it, March, and we were just in this lockdown and everyone was freaking out, but you know, it's August, we're making it through. You know, but we still got to remember to wear our mask, people. But, yeah, you know, it occurred to me that, you know, we have hockey, NBA, MLB, hopefully, um, horse racing, FA Cup, MLS. I mean, there's just so much action today. I mean, I just can't wait for it. And, I mean, to the guys I talk to, you know, I kind of message you guys. My strategy for the NHL is what I'm going to do is for everyone's first game, I'm going to bet the no goal first period. And then if there's more than three goals scored in the first period, I'm going to bet no goal second period. I know it sounds a little weird, but I just kind of feel that defense is going to be at a premium, and that's what they're going to be focusing on. Because if you lose this first game in a best of three when you're trying to make in the playoffs, I mean, you're really up against it. To win win back-to-back games in a hockey series – is really tough. I mean, you can kind of, guys kind of see that when it is 2-2 and a team wins game five. Historically, whoever wins game five wins, wins it, and that game it tends to be played a little tight. So that's kind of what my strategy is going to be for the first round of these games with the NHL restart. I know it sounds weird, but, you know, that's what we're going to do. And then, uh, you know, FA Cup, I just posted that. We're going to – we're on Arsenal today. You know, I really feel that they're the ones that have the stuff to play for. Of course, Chelsea's going to give their fourth their best effort. But, you know, for them to get in the in the Eurepa Cup, they have to win this. So we're going to play no goal first half plus 190. We are going to play Arsenal straight up plus 260. And then I found a prop small plus 684 draw at half Arsenal full time. But, yeah, you know, great day yesterday. Cash that Tigers play. Made money in MLS, 0-2 in basketball. Unfortunately, in the NBA, we just had that under. But, yeah, sports is back, and it's great. Hopefully, MLB will be able to get their shit together. I mean, I'm really worried about MLB just because it should have been in a bubble. And hopefully, with what's going on with MLB, and I'll be honest, like, Marlins aren't playing until Monday. Cardinals players have it. It wouldn't surprise me if it got paused. I'm not going to say shut down, paused, and then there'll be certain bubbles that the teams have to go to and play. I think that would kind of be the best thing because right now with how rapid this awful disease is spreading, um, the bubble environment is the best environment. And to the players that did contract it, you know, I wish you guys nothing but the best. I mean, that's got to be a scary thing, especially if you or someone you love has a pre-existing condition. Everyone knows I have asthma. I have exercise-induced asthma. So I freak out. I freak out that I'm going to get it. I mean, I basically wake up. I do my yoga. I run. 
I do a little coaching and when I'm doing my coaching, I always wear a mask. So it's kind of weird, but you know, I have to take care of myself and you know, think of my family cuz I'm trying to provide for them and everything. So you guys just have to be smart. But back to the MLB, I mean, players allegedly went to some strip club in Atlanta. I mean, that's just really irresponsible and selfish. And it just shows you that if MLB players are doing it, I bet NFL players are doing it. So the NFL is really going to be up against it, and they're going to have to come up with a plan B. I mean, I think they're going to start doing it as planned, playing road games. But what happens if a team gets this? What are they going to do? My neighbor had a great suggestion. He's, he's like, look, four teams go to a city, bubble it, round robin, then another one. And just do it like that if that's the plan B when they start on, they start the season, and there's an outbreak with a team like the Marlins and the Cardinals are experiencing. And I'm not going to lie, that idea actually kind of makes sense, where they do little bubbles with four teams, do a little round robin there, three weeks in a row, and then boom, ship them off, go someplace else. So that makes a lot of sense. That's a great idea. So I really hope the NFL is using this time to come up with an idea. And speaking about the NFL, I find it really weird that they didn't use the fact there is no preseason games to push back training camp just to kind of make sure everything is tight and everything is on point. I mean, that really upsets me a little bit and concerns me that maybe they aren't taking everything in consideration. But hey, you got to think the NFL knows what's at stake with this being such a big money market for them. And they'll have their shit together. So you just have your fingers crossed. But yeah, so I'm really concerned about that. NBA seems to be going without a hitch. NHL seems to be going without a hitch. And it was funny, like, NBA, the, uh, it just, rem- it just cracks me up. Like, I mean, I played ball back in the day. I was decent and everything. And it, I just find it funny. Like, you see these guys on Twitter and social media complaining about one call leading to the team losing and not covering. I always find that funny. Guys, it is a regular season game. And you're telling me that's why that the refs did that. I mean, come on, let's think. Let, let's fucking think. I mean, people are just so dumb, so quick to point the figure. I mean, my thing is, is I look at the bet. I figure out why I lost. I learned and I moved on. And that's all you can do. And speaking about that, I mean, I post everything beforehand. I never show my stuff. I Here's the thing. If I win big or lose big, I never show. I post my stuff. If you guys want to tail, you tail. If you don't, you don't. You know, I'm just here, like I said help you guys make money. And if you tail me, you make money. It's not that hard. So you got these guys, and I mean, I understand why they're doing it. They're trying to like get clout and like show everyone how quote unquote they good good they are with their little $5 bets. But like, why do you feel the need to like, when I win money, like talk shit? Like one play, I think, I forget what it was. I had two dogs. I split. So I obviously made money on the day because I had two heavily priced dogs. And guys are talking shit. It just blows my mind, the need for people to talk shit on here. Okay, because 
no one quite understands that it's not you against the books. It's us against the books. We need to think of ourselves as a community trying to beat the sports books. And that's what people don't comprehend and do. And that's why I don't, I'm really having a hard time if I'm going to like sell picks or even, you know, keep posting stuff. So, I mean, there's just so much hate and negativity. It's like, Jesus Christ, we're just trying to, just trying to make that cheddar. So, but anyway, you know, that's my little intro, my little rant for today. We have a great show today, as usual, on Saturday. The man, the myth, the legend, Sterling from Silver Star Sports stops by and we talk a little NFL. Today we're going to be previewing the NFC East. All right, so let's welcome Sterling back to the show. Sterling, how are you doing this Saturday? Uh, I'm doing great. Just got to watch some basketball yesterday. Um, sports are back, slowly but surely. FA Cup final today. Um, I'm doing well. Oh, my, you, you're going to watch a little FA Cup? I'm actually turning into a soccer fan. It's kind of crazy how it sounds. Yeah. Have uh, you watching any of, the, any of the MLS? Um, I have not. I haven't gotten into the MLS Oh my God! I am an MLS fan. I mean, I watched Basque. I, I, God, what was the game during the day yesterday? Was it Nets Magic? <laughs> yeah, my Magic were back in action. I mean, dude, when was the time you sat down on a Friday afternoon and watched the Nets Magic game and were thoroughly entertained? <laughs> Probably me. I, I do that often, just because I'm a weirdo who happens to be a Magic fan. Okay. But yeah, for most of the public, probably never. <laughs> and then, did, did you see the uh, the Blazers yesterday too? Melo hit some threes, man. Yeah. And then I watched uh, the night game with the Mavericks and Rockets, and they literally put up 160 points in the first half. It was ridiculous. Yeah, defense optional. Um, and like for for me that loves to bet unders, like I don't like to see stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so we're gonna talk about the uh, good old NFC East. We're going to start off with the Washington Redskins. The Washington Redskins are 175 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, 66 to 1 to win the NFC, 16 to 1 to win the East. Offensively, they were 32nd in total offense, 32nd in passing offense, 22nd in rushing offense. Defensively, they were 27th in total defense, passing defense 18th, rushing 31st. Um, where do you stand with these old, uh, the Washington football team, I guess we'll call it, since the Redskins name has been retired? You see, with the football team, I was much higher on them a couple weeks ago than I am now. I feel like so much has happened over the offseason that's not been related to football that it's bound to affect their production on the field um, it's just so many distractions and Washington I feel like they've been like a perennially poor organization and they're trying to change that culture I don't think you can change it overnight so I think it's going to be a struggle on the field this year um, just looking at their offense on paper it's just I think it might be the worst offense in the league I think they're really going to struggle because um as far as Haskins, I feel like last year he was put in a position to fail, so I don't really take too much stock in his play last year. But even this year, like the receiving core is much better. The running backs are all iffy in my mind. The offensive line's not that great, so I feel like it's going to be another 
difficult year for this offense. Uh, yeah, so those are my thoughts on the football team. I mean, kind of like how you had a lot of stuff on the uh, Chargers. For some reason, the Redskins are the team I have a lot of stuff on. Oh, sorry, the Washington football team, my bad. Um, I think you're completely right. I thought Haskins was put in a lose-lose situation last year. I He, he wasn't ready to be out there. And, um, like, the front office wanted him, but Gruden didn't. And I just, I just feel that it just was a bad situation. Hopefully, now, with a new coaching staff, he's going to be out there and he'll get taught the right way, hopefully. And he'll take that next step. You, the O-line, to me, is average. Um, I kind of... I, I'm, I like Scary Terry. I mean, I think they have some young wide receivers that, but they don't have a clear-cut number one. I don't I don't think Scary Terry, Scary Terry is a number one wide receiver. And their running back corp to me is very interesting. You have AP, you have um, Geist, the kid that can't stay healthy. They also have Bryce Love, right? Yep. And they have my boy Antonio Gibson, who I'll get to later. Um... I like their defense because I feel like anytime you add someone like Chase Young to the mix who's going to rush the quarterback and make the quarterback go through his reads quicker and get get rid of the ball in less than three seconds, it's just going to make everybody around them just that much better. So I feel their defense is going to take a huge step forward this year and we'll be able to keep them in a lot of games. And I, what are your feelings on Turner, the offensive coordinator? Um, like I said, I don't have like a lot of confidence in just their offense because of just all the pieces that they have are so young and inexperienced and I, I don't trust them to make it work, but I like the defense, like you said. So, I mean, like I my thing with Turner and this, this is, this is, this is before you and I were talking, this was like my, like, uh, last year, like when, um, when they bent, when Cam got hurt. So the Panthers were good. The offense mainly was Newton, RPO, passing. You know, the offense was centered around Newton. When North Turner and Scott Turner came in, the offense went from being around Cam to being around McCaffrey, who they just had picked up. And that's when, ever since the Panthers started doing that, they weren't as good of a football team. So I really feel like Rivera's downfall in Carolina can be, in my eyes, related to the the North Turner and Scott Turner hiring. And that's why him hiring him as um, OC really confused me and didn't make sense to me. And then, I mean, I'll just give my fantasy sleeper right now. It's Antonio Gibson. Um, When they drafted that kid, they made all the comparisons in the world to Christian McCaffrey, and he's a better in-between tackler, tackle runner, than Christian McCaffrey is. So, I mean, you're making these comparisons. You overdrafted him and drafted him in the third round. I mean, I think they're just going to force him the ball like the Panthers forced McCaffrey the ball. And, I mean, I'm going to totally take a flyer on Gibson in the last rounds because I don't think anyone in my leagues is even going to take them just with the backfield situation. So I really like that kid. Um, 
my bold prediction for them, I actually have them going seven and nine. Whoa. Yeah, I think their defense is going to keep them in a lot of games. Okay. You know, that's funny because a couple months ago, or like about a month ago, like, did you read the article about um, what happened with the cheerleaders and everything going on? Um. Yeah, and I, this is going to sound awful, but when the stuff was coming out and these beat reporters were having all these outlandish stories, mm-hmm. like, you remember that? And yep. then, like, when the story came out, what it was, and it was awful, I was, you know what I mean? Like, I expected it to be this elaborate thing, and it was like, you know what I'm saying? I was, yeah, I get you. get you. So, but go ahead with your thought. I'm sorry. Well, no, no, you were good. Um, I was just saying, like, a month ago, I was saying, like, they'll go 5-11, and 11, be in, like, a lot of tight games. But now I'm, like, I actually changed my mind, and I'm thinking they're going to be the worst team in football now. or like tied with the Jaguars record-wise. So my oh, goal wow. prediction is Dwayne Haskins gets Josh Rosen and Ooh. Trevor Lawrence is the football uh, team QB entering 2021. Oh, wow. Look, look at that. I already said my sleeper. I said Gibson. Um, who, who did you uh, My sleeper, I feel uh, you talked about Scary Terry already. I feel like I look around at this wide receiver core and I'm, I'm seeing Kelvin Harmon, Antonio Gandy-Golden, um, Trey Quinn, like none of those guys are established names, and they all lack the speed and athleticism and separation to really be stars at the NFL level. So I think Terry's just going to get every opportunity to do what he did last year, and I think uh, Haskins trusts him. So I don't, okay. I'd take him again, even though he blew up last year. He's still a sleeper in my mind. See, and then here, go on. Go ahead with what you're gonna say. My bad. No, I was just gonna go onto your bus. But what was the thought? Oh no, what what? That's I was gonna ask you what your bus was. Oh, my bus is Darius guys. Um, I don't necessarily trust anyone in the uh, football team's backfield. Um, you made a good point about Gibson. I didn't think about all the correlation with uh, North Turner or I mean Scott Turner. But yeah, guys just hasn't been able to stay healthy and. I don't think that's just going to change in a year, you know, especially with a limited amount of preseason. And I just, like, you kind of hit it in the head, and that was my main thing I'm going to get to. I was going to point out with the Giants is when the new, um, when there's a new coordinator is put into place, the OTAs, the mini camps, the preseason games is when the offensive, the new offensive playbook is learned. And, Mm -hmm. All those reps are taken out. So I really feel like a team's with young quarterbacks that could hurt them. Um, my bust, I actually put I put Steary Terry. I just feel Tor- Turner's going to force the ball to Gibson. And um, like with Terry having an established season as he did last year, I just feel defenses are going to try to key to stop him a little bit more as opposed to last year when he was kind of a an unknown. So. Gotcha. Now we're going to switch to – oh, no, sorry. Do you have something else to add? Yeah, sorry. I just have one more major note on uh, the Red or the football team. Over the first four games, they play two of four playoff teams. They play the Eagles, and then they play the Ravens. And then also in those first four games, they play two teams that I think are going to be way better than they were last year, so the Cardinals and then uh, the Browns. And then weeks 11 through 14, they have this like – miserable stretch where they go at Dallas, at Pittsburgh, 
at San Francisco, and then at Seattle. So right there, I think that's like four straight losses on the schedule. So like that's going to be really tough to like recover from that opening stretch and then that yeah they, down the season stretch. And that was interesting. Like I read like for the Thanksgiving games, if you want a Thanksgiving game, you can kind of apply for it. And uh, they um, they applied for it, but Goodell was like, look, if you do that, you have to have three road games in a row. And Schneider was like, yeah, that's okay. So that's why they have that brutal stretch with at Cowboys, at Steelers, at 49ers. And then come home and have the old uh, Seahawks. Um, so now we're going to switch to uh, New- your New York Giants. The Giants are... 100 to 1 for the Super Bowl, 40 to 1 to win the East, 10 to, oh, sorry, 41 to win the, the NFC, 10 to 1 to win the East, over under a 6. Offense, total offense 19th, passing offense 18th, rushing offense 19th, defense, total offense 30th, passing defense 28th, rushing defense 20th. Um, talk to me about your New York football Giants. <laughs> Yep, this is my team, but uh, I just don't know what to think about them. Sometimes I get super excited, and I'm like, uh, they'll be like 7-9, and nine, miss the playoffs, and but they'll grow. Um, and then other times I'm like, uh, no, they're still a ways away from contending and competing, so they'll be another, what, 5-11. Like five, five but um, there's reasons I like them, and I don't like them this year. I'll start with the reasons I like them. We talk so much about how the quarterback may have to make the jump in the second year. And Daniel Jones surprised a lot of people, including me, with how good he was uh, year one. And then also Saquon Barkley, he was banged up, injured, and just in general wasn't as effective of a player as he usually is. So I don't expect that to continue. Um, Their defense was incredibly young last year with a lot of rookie corners rookie secondary players but they bought in James Bradbury and Blake Martinez some veteran leadership on their defense so those are the reasons I like them but then I don't like them because I I talk a lot about that ESPN FBI metric which takes the over and under of um, the opposing teams to determine the strength of schedule the Giants got the fourth hardest strength of schedule in in that metric and then I'm a Giants fan, but I'm also realistic. So I'm not ready to appoint Daniel Jones as this franchise savior after one year with a lot of fumbles. Because for every game, he looked very good. There was also a lot of snaps where he just looked just very bad and, um, at the same time. And then I liked that they bought in some veteran signings. But Bradbury, I think he's getting high or paid like the third or fourth highest average annual value for a corner. So, and I don't think he's a top three to four or five corner, you know. Mm-hmm. And then Blake Martinez, to me, he's the reason why he's the reason why tackles are like an overrated statistic. Because so often I watch him fail to cover a tight end or fail to cover a slot wide receiver, but then he makes that tackle after, you know. And it's just yeah. counterintuitive. And then also like. Judge, we don't know if he's cut out to be a head coach. Like he's saying all the right things, and the New York media is falling in love with him already. But I don't really take too much stock in like interviews before you actually do anything because I feel like anyone can say the right things. It's a matter of production. I mean, 
you hit it on the head. My first note is judge. Like, I really don't know. And maybe it's because, you know, I'm a Lions fan and I've seen how shitty Matt Patricia has done. Um, like, how much is he can, can control the room? And let's face it, when you're an NFL coach, it's about controlling the room. Can you control, like, 68 men? And is he going to be able to do that? I mean, Belichick and Saban, who are, you know, best college coach, best NFL coach probably ever or to date, they have high praise for this guy. And is he going to be able to do that? Um, Also, who's the quote-unquote leader, too? You know what I mean? Who's the the on-the-field leader? Like, I don't really know who's going to take on that leadership role. Um, And Nate Solder has opted out not to play. So that's going to force the rookie from um, UConn, Matt Perrett. Did I say that right? Yeah, Matt Perrett. He initially was going to play the inside. Now he's going to play the outside. So that means you're going to have two rookie tackles. So that's going to be interesting for them. Um, I initially had a very low grade on Lemieux, the kid from Oregon, the offensive guard. But the more I look into the zone blocking scheme the Giants are going to run and how good Lemieux was in the zone blocking scheme, I'm starting to come around on him. So I think with those three, Lemieux, um, Thomas, the kid they took first from uh, Georgia, and... um, 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 who did I just mention? Purit. I think they're going to be building a good core offensive line. Um, Barkley is finally healthy. I love Daniel Jones. I loved what I saw from him last year. I think he's going to make that next step. I think Garrett is going to make it a more tight and friendly um, offense for him. And I think Ingram's going to be in charge for a huge year. And I think that Garrett hire was great for the offensive coordinator. But defensively, I, I, for the life of me, I don't understand why they just don't sign Clowney because they have no pass rush. Um, and I actually like Bradbury. And the reason is is because he went up against Michael Thomas two games a year, um, Michael Evans two games a year, and Julio Jones two games a year. So I just feel his level of competition was so good when he's playing against these wide receivers in this division who – aren't world beaters, it will just make him look better than he actually is because his competition isn't as high, if that makes sense. Um, what what record did you have them going? I have them at 6 and 10. See, I have them at 7 and 9 too. Like, I I think this is going to be a team that is at that mediocre 7 and 9, 8 and 8, or they just bottom out and go like 3 and 13. I think yeah, I can definitely see it. I think there's it's one of those things. Um, what um, what what's your bold bold prediction for them? The my bold prediction is the rookie tackle duo struggles at first, but by the end of the season, we're talking about the Giants have are being looked at as the most promising O line in football. Okay. Between Will Hernandez, um, Andrew Thomas, Matt Pierre, and then Shane Lemieux. I think that's a good core to build for for the future. Yeah, I, I like what they're doing with the offensive line. My bold, and this kind of gives me away with how mediocre I think the division is, I think they're going to challenge for the division title. 
Because I, yeah. I think eight and eight wins this division. I think this division's awful again, but I think they challenge for it. So, and I think they go seven and nine. Um, who's your sleeper? Sleeper, uh, carrying on with like what uh, happened with my thoughts on the football team. My sleeper isn't really a sleeper because he broke out last year, but I expect him to do it again. Darius Slayton. And my thought process behind that is year after year, I've waited for Evan Ingram to stay healthy and be that top five tight end. Giants fans have hoped him or wanted him to become, but he just doesn't do it year after year. He doesn't stay healthy. He doesn't learn how to block better or anything like that. So I've like sort of lost faith in Evan Ingram, which Mm -hmm. is also why he's my bust. But, um, I'm going to also don't trust Sterling Shepard or Golden Tate. So I feel like Daniel Jones trusts Slayton and he's going to, uh, trust him more again this year, you know? Um, that's kind of funny. This is, this is one of the ones where we have it reversed. I have it since Garrett relies on the tight end so much. He's going to, Ingram is my, um, my, um, sleeper. And I just don't, think Slayton's going to get as much looks as he did last year. I think Evan Ingram's going to cut into everyone's target share, so I have Mm -hmm. Slayton as my bust. Okay. Um, He is sort of a one-trick pony at wide receiver, but... And and it's funny, like, if you look... I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if you look at their targets, like, it was like between, who was it, Slayton, Tate, and who's the third guy I'm spacing on his name? Uh, Sterling Shepard. Yeah, it was like 76, 75, 74. That was their target distribution last year. It was like the craziest thing I ever saw. Like just boom, boom, boom. Um, so I have them at seven and nine. The next team we're going to talk about is the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles are 25 to one to win the Super Bowl, 12 to one to win the NFC. Um, basically one and a half to one to win the East over under of nine and a half offensively total offense, 12 passing 11th, rushing 11th defensively total defense, 15th passing defense, 19th rushing defense third. What do you think about these Eagles? Um, Eagles are, an interesting team. I still have, uh, they're trying to hang on to that Super Bowl um, winning team, and they still got a lot of pieces from it. But I don't know. They sort of left Carson Wentz out to dry last year with the practice squad wide receivers that they were running out there. And then they took Jalen Rager in the draft, but I'm not too high on him. I feel like he's redundant with Deshaun Jackson. Um, just another deep threat that fails to really get open underneath or has a, like a refined route tree. So I think it will be another struggle of a year for Carson Wentz. We'll have to put the offense on his back. Um, I, I have this team at 9-7 and because I still think they have a good enough defense and I trust Carson Wentz. I believe in him a lot that they'll challenge for the division title. You know? Where... But, I'm sorry. Do you Where think come? Wentz... Gets through the season healthy. Uh, that's never a good bet to say yes, but I feel like last year was more of a freak injury. Um, you know, 
So I, I, I'm going to say yes, he finishes the year. I mean, the thing for me is, like, when was when did he have the injury? Like two years ago? Was that it? I mean, he's had multiple. But well, yeah. no, like the one where he was just lighting it up and he was just balling out of control and he dove in for the end zone and he got hit in the back. Was that two yeah, years two, ago? Two years ago. Yeah. I mean, I had that guy on my fantasy team, man. And, like, <laughs> that's one of those ones, like, where you call it, it's money, and he gets hurt, and you're just like, shit. So, I don't know. Like, for me, I'm not going to lie. I go back and forth if the Eagles made the right decision of keeping Wentz instead of Foles. I mean, what, what do you think uh, about that? To me, Nick Foles is, like, a bottom, like, in terms of top 32 quarterbacks, this is without, like, looking at a list or anything. I'd have Nick Foles, like, somewhere, like, 28th. Like, I'm not high on Nick Foles. I feel like he was a product of a super elite Eagles team, and he had some of the best games of his life, which I'm not taking that away from him. He balled out during the playoffs. But, I mean, I don't find him, like, that good of a QB. Whereas Wentz, I find him, like, a top 10 QB, you know? Well, let me let me ask you this. Um like I break when I do my quarterback rankings, I break them down into three tiers. Tier one is um, like superstar. That's someone that elevates the team and will get the team more wins. Then um, tier two is like serviceable, and tier three is replaceable. So, what tier would you have them in? I have them in tier one and a half. If that's the case. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm just the more I'm in, I just don't think I'm a Wentz guy. I mean, I was really high on him, and just not. You know what I mean? Just the constant injuries are just taking me off of him. Um, I love the the offense was works the best in my eyes with the deep threat. When they made that Super Bowl run, they had Mike Wallace, and like he was able to stretch the field and help help out that offense a lot, the Doug Peterson offense, but, you know, it's really struggled without the um, out the deep threat. And, um, you know, there's always those NFL people that are looked at as geniuses, and then they everyone kind of gets a, accustomed to their system. And you kind of see that here in Chicago with Nagy, how everyone's kind of caught onto a system and it's not as effective. Um do you think Peterson is entering that realm right now? Mm, I think so. I think people have caught on to Howie Roseman. Um, he hasn't looked as sharp as he did like a couple of years ago, you know, with some of his moves. So, yeah, I think people are catching up to the Eagles and their tricks aren't working as much. And then also on top of that, um, I think one of the underlining things that no one's really talking about and you and I, you, you more than anyone knows how much I love those offensive linemen. Um, they brought Jason Peters back, and he's going to be playing guard this year. I think him moving to the inside will help out the team a lot and keep the offensive line as good as it was. Um, I think signing Slay is huge, but I hate the contract for it. I think that's way too much money for an aging, um, an aging guy like that. Um, what about Miles Sanders? Tell me what you think about Miles Sanders. He's my fantasy football bust. I actually like him as a player, but 
I did a mock draft two nights ago, and he went something like seventh, or I think it was. And I was just like, wow, that's that's way higher than I would take him, you know, or feel comfortable taking him. Good player, though. Like, definitely showed down the stretch that he could be a lead back. But, uh, I don't know. To take him in the top ten in your draft, I wouldn't do it personally. I mean, we actually agree on this because he is my bust. I, I, like you said, in the Peterson system, even when he was the only option, Boston Scott was still getting reps. It's like in the Peterson system, there's no one back that is constantly featured. And if I'm going to take someone as high as you were talking about, I at least want 20, touch, 20 touches a game for my running back in that situation. So um, I totally have Sanders as my uh, as my bust. Um, what's your bold prediction for the Eagles? My bold prediction, we already mentioned it, it Wentz last the full season. Yeah. The, that are, actually, I have him as an MVP candidate. Oh, wow. I have... Don't make the playoffs, and the Doug Peterson is on the hot seat for next season. Okay, um, I like it. My bust is Sanders. Your bust is Sanders. Um, who is your sleeper? Dallas Goddard is actually going to be my sleeper. I don't know. I feel like Ertz. Ertz is still a good player, but uh, just how they featured Goddard over the past few years and. He's just been more and more effective, whereas I feel like Ertz is declining in his productivity, that they're going to make a point to get Goddard more um, touches, especially when the receivers you brought in, they're deep threats. So underneath and over the middle, you're going to look for those tight ends. I feel like Goddard's going to become more and more of a a factor in passing it. And you're not worried about him going to a nightclub and getting sucker punched? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that that video was uh, not good for him. But I mean, yeah, otherwise. He got knocked the F out. Yeah, um, I was like, dang, sheesh, that's brutal. I have Jalen Rieger as my fantasy guy. I think Wentz is just going to air the ball out to him. Um, I like the Goddard thing, though. And it's kind of crazy. Like, Goddard and Ertz are just two of the most reliable guys that there are in the tight end realms. I mean, both those guys are just out there, and they constantly put up numbers, and they're constantly overlooked, which is a little a little weird to me in terms of the uh, fantasy football world because the tight end is, like, such a hard uh, hard position. Um, what uh, – so now – so you have them at 7 and 9. I am at 7 and 9. And now let's go to – Oh, I have them at 9 and 7. You have actually. a 9 to 7. My bad, my bad. My bad. Um, one last thing we'll say before we skip on to the Cowboys – um, how badly do you think it's going to hurt losing Brandon Brooks? I know you already mentioned Peters uh, kicking him to guard, but do you think it'll be drastically different, like their offense? Oh, look. I mean, I think that them keeping Peters in the veteran leadership and him moving inside actually will keep it the same, as crazy as that sounds. I'm, I think Peters, I think the guard and him not having to move as much you know what I mean? And cover the outside will actually um, is good for him and adding a couple of years to his his um, his career. Uh, what what about you? What do you think? Um, I PFF. They're an interesting um, group, but 
they did have this statistic the other day that said Brandon Brooks was one of the three linemen that scored or that ranked above a ninety. You know, oh, wow. in terms of pass block, pass blocking, and run blocking, and losing a guy like that, like that's bound to lower the ceiling of your offense by a lot. So. I actually had them at ten and six, but I took him down full game once he got injured, just because I think he's that important and um, that elite of a player, you know. Okay. Um. Yeah. Right, so now let's go to America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, fourteen to one to win the Super Bowl, seven and a half to one to win the um, NFC. They are minus one ten. That means you have to bet one hundred and ten dollars to win a hundred just to win the East. Over under has ballooned all the way up to ten wins. Offensively, they were six in total offense, second in passing offense, fifth in rushing offense. Defensively, eleventh in total, tenth in passing, and eleventh in rushing defense. Talk to me about America's team. <laughs> um, I'm not a fan of this team. Obviously, it's, I'm just being a Giants fan, but I actually like the Cowboys this year. Um, I think that offense is just going to be so dangerous between all the weapons that they have and then obviously their O-line has been very good over the past couple of years I feel like Dak Prescott I'll spoil it now he's going to be my fantasy sleeper because I feel like he gets disrespected a lot by the casual football fan or most people who play fantasy football when actually last year he finished I think second or third among QBs but um, I think he'll be even more motivated this year with um, the failure to sign like a long-term deal, so he's going to be playing with like a chip on his shoulder all year, and then he's got more weapons than he's ever had between Ceedee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard's been um, looking good whenever he gets touches. I think Dak is really out to prove himself this year, and then the moves that the Cowboys made, I feel like they just got great value on everything. In the draft, I liked the Diggs pickup in the second round. Um, they got my boy Tyler Biadesh later on in the draft. Um, they made a couple more picks um, that I also loved. So I really liked what the Cowboys have done over the year. So I mean, I'm higher on them. What what do you have their record at? Ten and six. See, I have them at eight and eight. Like I don't. My big thing is I look at it like this. I don't know. If you're away from the game, you're not learning. And what was McCarthy doing last year? Yes, I know he he's claimed to be more analytical guy. But, you know, I can claim to like to fold my clothes. That doesn't mean I'm folding my clothes every time I do laundry. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, was he really learning and understanding the game when his year was away? Um, Kellen Moore is going to be calling the plays. And this kind of ties into my bust. I actually have Zeke Elliott as my bust. When Moore calls the plays, they tend to pass the ball more. Thus, Zeke is getting less touches. Um, you caught on the offensive line. Um, Martin is always hurt, it seems like now. I thought their offensive line was great. I thought the way Jerry built the team with the interior, with the offensive line was great. But those guys are just getting old. I think losing Frederick is going to hurt them just because he was so good. I think your boy could be good, but I don't think – I think it will take him a little while, especially with missing the mini tamps, the OTAs, and preseason. I think it will take him a little time to, like, 
catch up to speed, so to speak. Um, Martin's always hurt. Who's the other guy on the left side? I'm spacing on his name. Uh, Smith. Smith Smith is always hurt. I just feel the offensive line isn't as good as it's been in years past. And that's just going to kind of hurt them. Um, And you have a lot of egos on that team. And you just added C.D. Lamb, and there's only one football. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels to me there is going to be that eruption of, hey, I'm not getting the ball enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's only one football. You add C.D., you have Cooper, you have Gallup, you have Elliott. It just, I don't know. To me, it just seems like this is going to implode. Um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I can see where you're coming from. I get the feeling more so. Um, at this year is like make it or break it for the Cowboys per se. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they should be able to should on should be able to put their differences aside for this year with so much riding on it and like so much future, mm-hmm. um, like their cap space going down in the, in the years to come. And I feel like they should be able to get it together because, as you said, like their O line hasn't been great in previous years, but they still got a good O line to go with all those weapons that and McCarthy yeah I'm not I, I'm not sold on him but yeah I don't know that's, and then that's my biggest question Mark and then I kind of feel their defense is declining too like they lost Quinn they lost some pieces yeah yeah so who's going to be the guy on the other side I mean I love the kid from Utah they drafted but is he going to be able to get get there because everything's you're going to give everyone – everyone's attention is going to be to Lawrence. And who's going to be on the opposite side? Because um, Quinn had a decent season last year. And are the are the young defensive backs that they drafted going to be able to cover a Scary Terry or a Deshaun Jackson and, or um, a Slay and a Golden Tate, the wide receivers in the division? I just kind of feel like their defense is kind of taking that step backwards and isn't as strong as years past um so you have what'd you have Matt? i'm sorry again uh 10 and 6 all right item 8 at 8 uh what's your bold prediction i'm gonna uh like i said i'm higher on them than most the cowboys finally put it all together and they make the nfc championship game they don't win but they make wow i i have i have lose first round of the playoffs fire mccarthy after one season i mean but because I I agree with you, like this is the year because everyone's money is coming up and they just can't afford anybody. Um, who have you? Interesting to hear who you have you as your sleeper. I mentioned it a little bit before, but like Prescott. Dak Prescott, yeah. just because I feel like the casual football fan, you go on Twitter, you look up Dak Prescott, and you would think he was Jamarcus Russell and not like a top ten to twelve QB that he is, you know. Uh, so I feel like in most drafts, he's not going to be drafted high. Like you're not going to have to pay that premium that you would for like a Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson or mm-hmm. a Patrick Mahomes. So you can sit and wait for him, and then you're bound to get good numbers from a fantasy perspective because he can still run the ball. Um, he's put puts up good passing numbers, you know. So Dak, and then also he's playing with a chip on his shoulder all year. So, um. My sleeper is Michael Gallup. I actually like Michael Gallup a lot, and I just kind of feel he's just going to kind of be lost in the mix. Um, as crazy as that sounds, I just 
feel he's always going to draw the weaker defensive back and he's going to be set up to have a good a good season. But it's going to definitely be game to game with him. Um, I already said my bust is Zeke. Who is uh, who's your bust? My bust is Amari Cooper, and I didn't feel good about it because I like the separation he can create. But I, as you mentioned, it they have so many mouths to feed that someone's bound to regress. And whether that's like, is Cooper going to be playing in the slot? Are we going to have CD in the slot? Or is Gallup going to slide it? Gallup going to slide into the slot? Like, I don't know. If you have Cooper in the slot, you're sort of wasting some of his ability. You know, so maybe he'll won't be as good as you might anticipate. And this is another thing that I sorry I skipped over this in my notes. Um, I just feel their offense was so good last year; it's just bound to regress. Like I mean, they were second in passing, fifth rushing, sixth in total. I mean, is it is that the ceiling? You know what I mean? Like I just kind of feel I don't know that they're they're gonna regress a little bit. Um, also, when you when you're on, um, you know, the big news of the week was the trade between Seattle and the Jets. Um, why don't we talk about it from both teams' perspectives? Um, you know, I know you're high on the Seahawks this year. Um, why don't you talk about it from the Seahawks' perspective? It's, it's funny talking about it from the Seahawks' perspective because in our draft preview, when the Seahawks came up, I was really like, they're probably going to waste this pick on some third-round talent. And sure enough, when the draft came, they took Jordan Brooks, who... I had like a third to a fourth round grade on and they take him in the first round. And then the year before that, it was LJ Collier. And then they've taken Rashad Penny uh, running back. So every year it seems like the, the Seahawks are content just to theoretically waste that pick, you know, mm. and not get good value for it. So to turn that or to flip that into a top 10, 15 player in the league in my eyes and a generational safety talent at, who's only 24 years old, like that's a good piece of business and a necessary risk. And I can already see Jamal Adams helping out so much against that Kyle Shanahan running game or covering George Kittle against the 49ers for four or for two games. Mm-hmm. And then he's also going to help out with DeAndre Hopkins coming in over the middle. Like it's, it's going to, it was a great risk to take for the Seahawks perspective in my eyes. I mean, they just give up, gave up, so much for him. That's my only thing. And I just feel like, you know, you have to pay Wilson. You have to play Lockett, McCaffrey, and Adam. You know what I mean? They just have so many guys. You know what I mean? Their window got tighter with the move, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, but uh, I feel like they gave up more in perceived value yeah. than actual value. You know? And I mean, that's a good point because it's kind of – I forget who made this analogy, but every draft pick – is valued more and before before you see who the draft pick is, and which is which is a great point by you. Um, and my other thing in terms of the Seahawks perspective is, you just got traded to a team, one of the teams you want to go to, and he sends out a tweet complaining about he has to be on a seven a.m. flight. You know what I mean? Like, really? Oh, I didn't even see that. Well, that's because he got he got some hate on it. He deleted it, but. Uh, yeah, he sent out this uh, tweet complaining about it. It's like, dude, you know, come on. You fi- you got your way. You got drafted. You got traded, excuse me, and now you're doing this. I just don't know if he's going to be a headache in the locker room, a disturbance, if you will. Um, Now, let's look at it from the Jets' perspective. 
What What do you think about that? The Jets part of the trade. I don't give the Jets the benefit of the doubt or like any props usually as an organization, but to get two first round picks and a starting safety for a disgruntled player, that's a job well done. Um, especially with how the AFC East looks right now and where their roster is, that they're not competing at this moment in time to get more assets and to free up some cap space or like, well, potential cap space from having to pay Adams eventually. That's a job well done. And then also they drafted Ashton Davis in the third round. who I had a late first, early second round grade on. He's going to be able to get more snaps and he's going to be able to showcase what he can do. More so now that Adams is gone, you know, as they bring him along. And we are both high on that kid from Cal. We both like that guy a lot. I guess I guess my thing is this, is the, these certain teams, and unfortunately I feel like my Lions fall in this round, they just do the same thing time after time again. So the, the trade happened because Adams called out gays and he didn't like gays. Basically, correct. And yeah. now the Jets are going to go what three and thirteen, four and twelve, five and eleven, and they're going to fire Gaze. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I kind of look at it like that. Like, okay, great. Now you're just starting the whole process over again with a new coach, new system. You know, you have Darnold, who I'm not high on, but he's going to have to learn another offense. You know what I mean? It's just you're just like a ham a hamster on the wheel. There's no progression of the franchise. And I think that move kind of, you know, just kind of shows, like, what team that the, the Jets are. Um, now, uh, one other question for you. I mean, I think this top 100 list, is it, by the NFL, is a freaking joke. Uh, how do you feel about it? <laughs> There's so many things wrong with it. Like, <laughs> why... <laughs> And it's funny people defending it, like, oh, they play in the NFL. Like, clearly they know. And I I forgot who it was. I think it was um, Goff Schwartz. He said that when he used to, they used to do the ballot for him, he would just put, like, Mitchell Trubisky number one and, like, a bunch of his teammates. Like, NFL players don't necessarily take it seriously. You know, it's just, like, a popularity contest. And, like, the fact that Mitchell Schwartz, like, the league's top right tackle, wasn't on it is ridiculous, you know, and the fact that, like, Josh Allen, I can't remember where he was, like, is 79 or something like that, like, what? Like, it it doesn't make sense. So and, many things on it doesn't make sense. And maybe this is just me. Like, I feel Matt Stafford is so underrated by everyone in the NFL. And, I mean, yep. case in point, last year. Last year, they went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs, toe-to-toe with the Vikings. That he leaves that team, that team is awful. And I mean, for him not to be on that list is insane to me. Okay, that's number one. Number two, Galladay. Galladay's not even on the list. Galladay put up top ten wide receiver numbers, and he had a who who is the dude from the kid from Purdue, um, throwing him the ball, and Jeff Driscoll, former Florida. Florida Atlantic star. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't know, man. Like, I just feel that list is a complete and utter joke and that, um, you know, I just, like you said, it's a pure popularity contest. Um, Sterling, thanks for coming on. Thanks for breaking down the, uh, 
the NFC East. Um, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Silver Star Sports. And that's, uh, it's going to be Silver Star and then the underscore and then it's sports. So Silver Star Sports. I post a lot there. I know for the month of August, my goal is to post at least every other day. So there will be a lot more con- uh, content coming. Um, still haven't broken into the Twitter. If I do, eventually, I will let you know, guys. But, uh, yep, find me at Silver Star Sports. Lots of content coming. Thanks for and coming then, on, my yeah, friend. Thanks again for having me. I'll always always a pleasure this. talking a little pigskin with you. Um, I will let you pick which one of the remaining three to do next week, my friend. Let's do possibly what I feel like is going to be the most interesting division, the NFC West. All right, so let, we'll, next week we'll, drive in, we'll dive into the West. Thanks for uh, stopping by, and we'll talk soon. Yep, sounds good. Thank you. So I want to thank Sterling for coming on. Sterling puts a lot of time and effort into uh, his content. Great follow. If you guys aren't following him, you know, make sure you do. Unfortunately, it looks like we just lost our first NHL bet. Uh, you know, so, uh, but hey, you know, we got some ML. We got some MLB today. We got some UFC today. So, uh, you know, we got some horse racing too. We got Gulfstream, Saratoga, Del Mar, Golden Gates. We got a loaded day. So, uh, you know, make sure you have the notifications on. Make sure you like and subscribe to this. Give me a review. That'd be great. Um, sports is back. So, you know, I'm, I'll be keep putting out as much content as I can and trying to help you guys make that money. And when I'm trying to help you guys make that money, one of my friends is like, oh, you must have the life. You must just kind of watch sports and drink. No, this is my work. This is how I make my money. So I don't drink when I do this. That's why one of the things is I really don't watch sports at the OTB or at the uh, sports book. I do my work. I put in the time and I watch the games. And I do that because I feel that's the best way I can learn. Like if someone, your 401k manager, you don't want them drinking and doing the stock market because that's basically what I'm doing is like playing the stock market, how the the lock guy talked about when it comes to betting numbers. But uh, yeah, so I always found that comment interesting. But anyway, that's another thing. Um, You know, stay safe. Uh, Keep your mask on, and I'll be back on Monday, and uh, have a good weekend, guys.